The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, Adam Hendricks says Carson Lovell hit an absolute bomb for Kalioka yesterday. Thanks, Adam. I just got an email and it says, learn a new skill, Chris. And I don't know if it's an offer or an indictment. <laughs> Wow. Is that somebody that's been listening for the first hour or something or what? What is, what is that? Oh, it's from some. Uh, Don't it, quit your day job, Chris. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> or please or do. do. Yeah, do. Yeah, my bad. Jeez. <laughs> Timing is everything, right? I think it's a, uh, like, you know, just junk mail that I've signed up for something, mm-hmm. but I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know if it's a, I have no idea if it's, if it's a, an offer or an Is it someone you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. One of our Facebook friends. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Facebook enemies. There you go. With friends like us. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Michael Long says, suggestions, I see. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, Kavaris had a one-hitter last night, 16 Ks against Franklin Road Academy. Well done, Kavaris Tears. Mm. You know, when you strike out 16. Different umpire. Probably in a, probably in a five-inning game, too. What was the final? 11 nothing. Yeah, I think so. No, baseball was 4-1. Oh, so. oh yeah. 16 Ks. Still a good day. That's Uh, Last night, we talked about earlier in the show, the surprise of last night's results. Uh, Not necessarily. Not necessarily the the outcome. But the. The score. Yes. The margin. Yeah. Uh, Again, I mean, when all is said and done, you just got to tip your hat to Baylor. Honestly, like that's that is, I didn't expect them to win by that much, but I certainly expected them to come out with authority. I, I really felt like 
the way that they shot the three pointer in the NCAA tournament is so important, and they lead the nation in it. And that that I thought if they could come out and shoot the ball well early, that they'd win the game. Well, they set they the did. tone. They did. But it wasn't just that; it was also defense. So yeah, that was that was one of the things that impressed me the most was the the fact the that all the turnovers, early, especially early on, uh, that a lot of the the layups that Gonzaga usually gets were getting knocked right away and stuff like that. Yeah. What have you got? Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then in the second half they ended up getting those layups early. The problem was that. They were so far behind at ba- that Well, point. Baylor was hitting threes on the yeah. other end. So, you can't you trade a, layups for threes a, you when you're behind. You get four or six behind. points, and Baylor turned around earlier. and get nine, you know, just, yeah. and just it, bombing and them. And it got, they got as close as nine on the uh, the Suggs three-point play where he got the layup. I think he missed the free throw, though, because they missed a ton of free throws in the second half. Uh, but Suggs, when he got that, that layup and the foul and was fired up, you know, he was running over to the – to the Baylor or to the Gonzaga crowd area, and they were all fired up. And I thought, okay, they got a shot right here. And then Baylor comes down and knocks down a three, boom, and boom, that was it. Boom, yeah. <laughs> it was like, God. And it was it was just uncanny the way every time it felt like every time Gonzaga, you know, it felt like okay, here we go. They'd come down and knock another one down, and they weren't just they weren't banking them in. They weren't rattling around the rim. They were all net, man. They shot it. So well, nets didn't move. Yeah, sometimes, and they were shooting them from not just the three point line, but you know, six seven feet back from the top of the key, knocking them down. I mean, it was just, it was a clinic on how to win a national championship against an undefeated team. As as impressive as their shooting ability was, though, what they were able to do on defense and just, just create turnovers, you know. Not just getting in passing lanes, but in in situations where people had the ball, they just took it from strip them. it out of them. You know, it's, yeah. it's, Timmy it has cr- been working people to death underneath, and and they just stayed they stayed in front of him, they stayed with him, and then and would come down on him and knock that ball out and uh, without the foul. That, that again, that's I think that was the other thing that Gonzaga was used to getting calls in those situations. They didn't get they didn't get a, a lot of those calls, which you know. Well, on replay, they were clean steals. I mean, it wasn't that they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It you're wasn't just, that they. You know, and getting, that and that's what you're going to get in that at that level. I mean, you're going to get the best of the best officials, and I thought the officiating crew did, and a a pretty good job. There were a couple of times that Baylor got a couple of calls that uh, were iffy. Matter of fact, the 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 call where um, the handlebar mustache kid. Oh, Timmy. Uh, when he his he hurt his shoulder and they called a foul on him and it was at at worst out of bounds, at best a jump ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never touched the guy. And went to the line, shoot two free throws, knock him down, that sort of thing. But I I mean that's it is what it is. You're gonna yeah. have bad calls. Those, those two points didn't James, no. how the game was going. <laughs> Especially in the second half at that point. But, I mean, there were a couple of times where you're just like, all right, that was a tough – that that probably wasn't the best call. But, as a whole, very, very well officiated. Um, Baylor just played a really almost perfect basketball game. 
Yeah. And despite their two big men having foul trouble. They did get in a lot was, of foul trouble in the first half. I mean, they had a guy with three, I think, and they had three or four guys with two, and they were able to I can't play foul through out. it. Yeah, I, one guy I fouled out with about six minutes to go. And, yeah, I can't and, pronounce either of their two names. Chula Chula and – Well, one <laughs> one guy one team. guy did live up to his name. He was called Vital. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. Uh, yeah, he, he was getting some some unbelievable rebounds and, and, and stuff. But, uh, but, yeah, I thought when they when I started looking at the foul situation, I thought, okay, they'll get it inside. They'll start pushing these guys around a little bit and getting these foul calls. And never could never could get the run going – where they, the fouls were helping them out. Yeah. You know, we talked on Front Porch Sports yesterday evening and about who 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 felt the pressure, who had the pressure, whether there was pressure. I don't know if Gonzaga necessarily felt the pressure, but I just – and, again, I don't want to take anything away from Baylor's performance because they played fantastic. I just – I expected better out of Gonzaga, and I don't know if it was fatigue from the overtime game. I don't know if it was, you know, first time they had been pushed and they were a little shell shocked. I don't, I don't know, but they did not come out very well against Baylor. And again, maybe it was just Baylor. I'm telling you, man. What was it? I think it was 99 when Duke lost his undefeated team. And there was a story written about the game that said uh, one of the greatest college basketball teams in the history of the sport completed their national championship run. The only twist is it wasn't Duke. It's like just scratch that and (laughs) put Gonzaga. Yeah. And, boy, this Baylor team, that's really, really solid. So. They they finished the year twenty eight and two. Yeah, and my question is, who the heck beat them? <laughs> well, they well, kept coming back to something about a COVID break that they had to take a COVID break. They, yeah, and, they and did take that COVID break that, in de- in December, and they said coming back from that they were just a little bit off stride, but then they got right back on. Well, they got back on. <laughs> so the I mean the thing about that is again as I've mentioned. A couple of times. So they did lose to Oklahoma State uh, in the Big 12 tournament. I remember that because Oklahoma State won the tournament. Um, They also lost to Kansas. During the regular season? Yeah, at Kansas. Okay. So those are the two games they lost. But, again, this is what I was saying yesterday. Going to Allen Fieldhouse is a lot different than going to St. Mary's. As good as St. Mary's can be. Mm. When you are tested the way this Baylor team was tested, when you have to go to Morgantown and score 94 points to win, that prepares you for this moment. Much more so than anything Gonzaga has had seen to that point. And in a year like this, where they had to cancel their big non-conference games, that hurt them. Yeah. Baylor's lost that 71-58 loss at Kansas and that 83-74 loss to Oklahoma State. Those came basically in the span of two weeks. They lost at Kansas on February 27th and to Oklahoma State in the tournament on March 12th. So, um, 
But like you said, besides that, they had that 94-89 win at West Virginia coming off of that Kansas loss. Um, and there may be something to be said when, you know, when they already have that loss on them. They were they were looser. You know, there was a, you know, I, we don't we don't have this record to uphold. We we can go out and win. Just, We've got this one big goal. There you go. <laughs> and go for it. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that. But hey, all we can say is that Baylor played as well as they could have played. They won the game and they are national champions. Congratulations, Scott Drew. Uh, for taking that program from literally ashes to a national championship in less than two decades. You know, Chris, we talked back during football season with all of the COVID pauses that various teams had to go through, rest versus rust. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baylor went three full weeks without a ball game. They defeated Texas in Austin on February 2nd. Then they did not play again until they defeated Iowa State on February 23rd in Waco. Uh, they went three full ga- uh, three full weeks without a game. Um and then with, lost two in the next <laughs> two weeks. But I mean I wonder if that long term, you know, some of that time off uh, a big uh, uh, yeah, a, a little bit of a uh, of a um a mid-season break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean getting getting that time off probably does help you keep your legs. So, so I I mean, there's there's and a again, lot of th- factors. Nothing, nothing taking nothing away from Baylor because they played a fantastic game last night. They've played a fantastic tournament. They are a fantastic team. But I I didn't expect Gonzaga to come out like that. No, want to thank Amigos Mexican Grill uh, for their sponsorship of the bracket challenge, and so. With that, mm-hmm. we must announce the winner of the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today Bracket Challenge presented by Amigos Mexican Grill is none other than Mr. Jed Douglas. A $100 gift card is coming your way. Make sure, reach out to us on Twitter. I know that uh, that's where we typically communicate. Um, congratulations, Jed. And Scott Beasley ends up in number two, the number two spot. So, well done, Scott. Uh, you'll have a fifty. <laughs> you'll have a uh, fifty dollar gift card waiting on you. We'll, we'll we'll drop it off on our way down to Loretto this week at some point because we are going to go down there at some point this week. Uh, we just don't know when. So we'll call you. And make sure you're in the office, and if not, we'll drop it off anyway. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, so again, three great locations. Spring Hill, Lewisburg, Chapel Hill, Amigos Mexican Grill. Can't beat that. Um, real quick before we get to our first break of the second hour, want to mention that the Atlanta Braves did not play yesterday due to some uh, COVID issues with the Natinals. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had never heard that. Have you seen the no. Google the jerseys. It's hilarious. Natinals. Um, and that means they will play a doubleheader, two sevens. Tomorrow. We had, we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. They will play a doubleheader tomorrow 
First pitch at 11.05, and you can hear that on our sister station, WKRM 103.7 FM. Um, any any way to get JP off the air an hour early. No, I'm kidding. And we will be doing both games as far as I yes, understand. So. Both, both games will be on WKRM, so you can listen to those live uh, on our sister station. Make sure to do that. Um, you put a little note in here. It's an anniversary. It is. See, I can I contribute a little bit. Hey, this is this is a good note. This is a good note. I will let you give it to us. Oh wow! So, on this day in 1995, the Atlanta Braves sent Tony Tarasco, Esteban Yan, and Roberto Kelly break up the Braves. To Tony, the Montreal Expos. Tony Tarasco, man. I haven't even thought about that name. <laughs> Tony Tarasco, Esteban Yan, and Roberto Kelly went to the Montreal Expos on this day in 1995 in exchange for Atlanta area native Marquise Grissom. Marquise Grissom, about six months later, was the last person to touch the, the ball. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Yes, sir. Grissom caught the fly ball to end game six of the World Series against the Cleveland Indians and um, bring the Braves there. One what World Series championship in that run. So, the first of what we thought would be many didn't quite turn out that way. But you got to be in it to win it, so... <laughs> and they were there more than they weren't. Yep. They were in it more than they weren't. They were. They were. So, Oh, man. A, a lot of folks want to give Braves fans such as myself grief for all of those NL East championships and all of those playoff runs and that kind of thing in one World Series. And that's my response. You know, where was your team? You know, we were there. So, anyway, this was a big day in Atlanta Braves history, obviously. And um, hopefully today will be a big day as well as we open this series with the Natinals. I was, uh, I just went to Google Tony Tarasco. Like, what's he doing now, right? <laughs> Is he uh, a coach for the New York Mets? Hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I just, man, I was like, my gosh, I haven't heard that name in ages. Uh, so, yeah. That's an obscure baseball reference name right there. Oh, real quick. We're about to get out of here on the first break. And when we come back, we have a very special guest from the Raleigh News and Observer. I want to talk some North Carolina hoops as they hired Hubert Davis. What is the impact of that in Chapel Hill, North Carolina? Not Chapel Hill, Murray County. Marshall County. Uh, sorry, Marshall County, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, we will talk to C.L. Brown. So stick around for that. It's going to be fun. It's also Top 5 Tuesday Road Trip Snacks on Top 5 Tuesday coming at you just a little bit later. So stick around. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. 
Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. the teams you care about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again with mo here's chris welcome back into southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joints 10 27 here on this tuesday thanks for listening to the second hour of our show friends down in franklin county in the Winchester, Huntland, Cowan, Deckard area. We appreciate you guys listening in on WZYX. We have a fantastic segment set up for you as we didn't get a chance to talk about this on our show yesterday. We did get to talk about it with JP on Front Porch Sports last night around 5 o'clock. But really excited to kind of dive into the North Carolina hiring of Hubert Davis, something that we kicked around some names, uh, including Vanderbilt's Jerry Stackhouse uh, on this show and other shows and on the station. But um, on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, joining us today is Raleigh News and Observer reporter C.L. Brown. Mr. Brown, welcome into the show. Hey, what's going on? Hey, CL. Long time no speak. Um, yeah, man. How you been? <laughs> um, man, it, it would take a full show to to catch you up, but um, appreciate <laughs> no you doubt. appreciate you coming on with us. Um, looking at your article prior to, from prior to the press conference yesterday, um, headline: Hubert Davis to make history as UNC's first black men's basketball coach. Um, you know, when Roy Williams announced Thursday that he was going to be stepping down, I think the general idea was that this would be a quick search. Did you think it would be this quick? I didn't think it would be this quick, and I, I really didn't have a full uh, full grasp of how Bubba Cunningham was going to play it because you know they're they've got a they're facing a thirty million dollar budget shortfall because of COVID and not being able to uh, sell tickets and and all that kind of stuff like like a lot of athletic departments around the nation right now, and so you wondered if that was going to weigh heavy into you know him feeling like he needed to hit a home run on this hire and and bring somebody you know in from outside who was a proven winner and could hit the ground running here um, and, and get them back winning big and, and you know, winning soon. So I, I wondered how much that would factor in, but really that played no factor because the overwhelming sentiment from, from past players uh, at Carolina was that it had to stay in the family. In, in that respect, Carolina's like the mafia, man. Like, they want somebody who traces back to the old country, which is essentially somebody who played for Dean Smith. Um, and, and that's why uh, Wes Miller from UNCG, somebody like that, was not, was not the person that they, they chose to succeed uh, Roy Williams. Uh, that, that's why it set up well for Hubert. And I also think that Roy Williams himself 
uh, endorsed Hubert. He he recommended a lot of former players, but the person that he endorsed, I, I think, was Hubert Davis, and and ultimately that's what the athletic director uh, took to heart. You know, how many other serious candidates do you think there were, or do you think it began and ended with Hubert? Well, I know he did eight interviews, um, all, again, all pertaining or, or having some kind of link to Carolina or Roy Williams. Um, for instance, he interviewed Jared Haas from Stanford, who didn't play at Carolina, but played under Roy at Kansas and was an assistant his first six years when he came back to Chapel Hill. So you had those kind of candidates. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse interviewed um, uh, uh, who am I leaving out? Wes Miller from UNCG interviewed King Rice, who's been at Monmouth for 10 seasons, uh, former point guard at Carolina. He interviewed. So former he, Vanderbilt so you, assistant. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Under, under Stallings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Hubert probably was the front runner all along, but I do think Bubba wanted to hear everybody out and, and just make sure there wasn't uh, somebody who blew away the interview and, and, basically passed Hubert and and Hubert also couldn't go in and just totally, you know, flunk his interview test. <laughs> you know, he had to have, <laughs> have a competent presentation. So I, I think all of those things factored in and, and he was able to stamp it. And I, for one, personally, I know your listeners don't want to hear this, but I, <laughs> you, you guys can understand being in the media. You hate when coaching searches drag on. So I, I, I applaud Bubba Cunningham <laughs> for being able to get this done quickly. On a personal note there, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been held hostage by some of those, and it's it's no fun. So, yeah, congratulations to you for encouraging <laughs> Bubba to get it done so quickly. Hey, um. Hubert, as you spoke about, you know, Stackhouse, you talk about King Rice, you talk about Jared Haas, uh, you're talking about guys who have sat in that big chair. Hubert Davis has not. How much of a drawback do you think that was or will be in certain factions of Tar Heel Nation? Uh, In terms of the fan base, I think there's a lot of wait and see. Um, I think – some people wanted to see a Wes Miller because he's had some success. Um, he's young. I think he's only 38 right now. Um, and out of the candidates right now, you know, I mean, he's, he's won. They won the Southern Conference this year. He's, he's, he's had a, a track record there. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, obviously the Southern Conference isn't the ACC. So I, I, I think there there's some kind of uh, – uh, anxiety, if you will, over if Hubert will be able to get it done because he hadn't been in that, that lead seat. But I kind of feel like it's a bit um, overstated the importance of having been a head coach before. Everybody had to get you know their start at some point. And the thing that benefits Hubert is he, he's not coming into a situation where he doesn't know the culture, where he doesn't you know, know what's important where he doesn't know the fan base. He, he obviously has been living it. Um, he's as a player and the past nine season as an assistant coach, he, he fully knows the expectations. It's not something where, he, you know, if Carolina brought somebody in from the outside, they would have to, even as a head coach, you know, they would have to get used to those kind of things and, and figure it out as they went along. So 
the the main thing for Hubert, I think, that's going to be critical for him moving forward, especially into this first season, is what kind of staff he puts in place. I think there's going to be uh, major changes. You know, I don't I don't think he's just going to have uh, Steve Robinson, who was the lead assistant under Roy, to pass 18 seasons here in Chapel Hill, and and Brad Frederick. Who, uh, who has been on the staff? I think uh, the last seven uh, years. Uh, you're not. You're not just going to have those guys carry over. Um, I think it's going to be an entirely new staff, uh, but expect it to all be former Carolina uh, players or, or you know, people with connections to the program. So, but that's going to be critical for him moving forward because I, I would say Carolina's gotten a little bit stale to to recruit. Um, you know, Roy Williams was so steeped in tradition right down to the offense he ran. You know, I mean, he still did a lot of freelance, uh, which is the system Dean Smith ran, but it, it, it doesn't utilize ball screens. It doesn't have uh, isolation in, in the way that the game is played today. You know, it doesn't take a lot of those things into account. And kid, kids want to do those things because that's what they do in the NBA. And, you know, that, that's the ultimate goal, right? For for every kid thinks they're going to play in the NBA, so they want to play in a system that will help them get there. So uh, he, he's got his work cut out for him, but I, I think he's prepared for the challenge. Whether he'll be successful or not, I don't know, but I do think he's had enough time uh, as an assistant coach. And he also coached the JV team at, at North Carolina. A lot of people don't know about the JV team, but um, they play a lot of, Division three, uh, like prep school graduate uh, roster programs. Um, obviously, they didn't do it this year because of COVID, but it's allowed Hubert to kind of figure out who he is as a coach to work his own system, and and kind of you know he he kind of has a game plan now. He's not going to go into his first game at North Carolina never having made major decisions during the course of the game. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with C.L. Brown of the Raleigh News and Observer. Uh, C.L., Mo and I talked yesterday when we were talking about the the hiring of Hubert Davis and his age being at 51. That, that's, that's a pretty... I, I guess that's, that's a really solid number. You're not going to get, you know... 40 years out of him, but you can get a solid, you know, 15 or 20 out of a guy who's that age. Do you think that uh, the ability to get a decade and a half or two decades out of a coach was uh, important to North Carolina, or was it just hire the right guy and be done with it? Um, well, I, I think it's both. <laughs> I think hiring the right guy until somebody who's going to be locked in place for a long time, um, you know, besides the transition from Dean Smith to Bill Grutters to Matt Doherty, uh, it, it's it's not something that they want to do. I mean, it, it, in theory, when they hired Matt Doherty, that was also the plan, that he would just be coaching for a long time there and they could, you know, he could grow on the job uh, from, a, from a young guy into a, a grizzled veteran, you know, because um, he's only uh, only about what ten eight eight to ten years older than than Hubert? I think he's about fifty eight or somewhere in that range right now. So in theory, he would still be looking at another decade uh, of being on the sidelines in Carolina if everything would have worked out right. So 
yeah, the, the, the way that they want to do it is stay in the family and stay for a long time. So um, Hubert is certainly set up on paper to do that. Speaking of staying in the family, you mentioned that earlier, and they you want someone who goes and can trace back to the old country, a.k.a. Dean Smith. <laughs> in 20 years, that's not going to be possible unless you are tracing through Rory Williams. I mean, is that probably – do you think that that is the – the end goal. I mean, Roy Williams did win three national championships at North Carolina. So, I mean, he's kind of uh, the modern day legend at, at that school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, Roy's Roy's legacy, I think is kind of, uh, I don't think it's really fully appreciated even by Carolina fans at this moment. I think it'll take some years down the line for people to look back like, wow, Roy really, Roy really did it when he was here. I mean, three national titles, five final fours in 18 seasons. Um, he's, he's, I mean, (laughs) if we want to talk numbers, that's better than the guy down the road, uh, at Duke during the same period, if we're comparing. So, um, no one would do that though, would they? Not, not in North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's, they always want more. Like, I always think there was – it wasn't a love-hate affair, but I just feel like Roy wasn't fully appreciated for what he was doing. Like, he made it look too easy or something. And and I don't think Carolina fans really, really understood, understood what he was doing. But to get back to your question, um, yes, as long as it's in-house, yes, of course, there, there'll come a time where – um, no one will be left who have, has who played under Dean Smith, but you know Roy Williams, obviously being being the next guy um, who has the long tenure, it, it, it will be uh, important for them to stay in house and important to to trace back to uh, to Roy. And Roy does trace back to Dean Smith, so I mean it, it's it's yeah, there. Yeah. I mean the the options there. I'm I was really surprised to hear that. Not surprised that Jerry Stackhouse interviewed. Uh, I didn't know that he had actually taken a meeting with North Carolina. So that was news to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I think it was on Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken, um, when he when he did his interview. Uh, to my understanding, it wasn't in person. But, um, but yeah, Saturday morning at 1030 uh, was, was his interview spot. I mean, I, I do wonder if, uh, honestly, if, if, Jerry would have been a hotter, quote unquote, hotter candidate had he not taken the Vanderbilt job. Because um, I felt like among the the boosters that matter <laughs> at North Carolina, um, his name was talked about a lot before he came back to college coaching as as somebody who would potentially replace Roy. Um, and I mean, he's he's still highly thought of too. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not like uh, these past two seasons just ruined his stock, but um, it, Dandy is a tough job, <laughs> and and because he didn't make it to where you know, obviously, if he would have taken Vandy to two NCAA tournaments in, in his two years, um, you know, he could have kind of forced a hand for for Bubba Cunningham. He would have been more of a clear cut. Oh, this guy is trending upward kind of deal. But um, but because that hadn't happened yet, uh, you know, um, I guess it was a, an easier decision to make and and just uh, stick with what was in front of him at in Hubert. 
We're speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with C.L. Brown of the Raleigh News and Observer. And C.L., so basically what you're saying is Jerry might have been hotter at Carolina had he not been a college coach than with the two years that he has spent. You know, that's just my personal opinion of it. But, yes, yes. Hmm. I mean, he. I I felt like his buzz, uh, you know, again, among the – kind of people that matter mm-hmm. at Carolina um, who, who might have, who might factor into a decision of a change in coach. Um, his name was definitely hot <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's cooled off since then. Well, you are right. Vanderbilt is a tough job, particularly over the last little bit, um, both on the men's and women's side, as it turns out. But at any rate, um C.L. Brown of the Raleigh News and Observer visiting with us and dropping a little knowledge regarding the um, Hubert Davis hire as Roy Williams' successor. Um, comp- news conference later this afternoon, is that correct? Yeah, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Okay. And I'm so sure that'll Coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, coming up here soon. I'm sure you got to get ready for it, man. We're going to cut you loose. But um, appreciate your time, and um, thanks for visiting with us here for a little bit. Anytime. Appreciate you guys having me. All right. There you have it. C.L. Brown on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Talking Hubert Davis and North Carolina hoops. That was that was informative and very helpful. When we come back, it's Top 5 Tuesday. We're going to give you our top five road trip snacks on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Hey, welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, joined by Coach Mike on the buttons over here. Chris Yao is addressing something Facebook Live related, I believe. So, um, going to let him fiddle with that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying we, to make sure we get Coach Mike on the on, on this because uh, I mean, if we're gonna have him on Top Five Tuesday, we could, <laughs> need to be able to see his face. See his face huh? yeah. Hang on a minute. See, 
This is teamwork makes the dream work, man. Y'all sure you really want to risk your uh, camera that way? No. <laughs> Listen, Coach. Well, this is not our camera. It's JP's, so we don't care. There we go. Yeah, so if anything gets busted, is that going to be high enough? Is that going to sit there? We good? Oh, it's working. It's okay. there. There we go. All right. Look at there. All right. Coming in clutch. So, uh, yeah, there's that. All it right. is. Hey, look at there. We are on the air. Um, So, Top 5 Tuesday is always one of my favorites. I don't know about y'all. This one particular, because you know on this show, we love to talk food. Who doesn't? We don't always talk snacks, though. Yeah, we, we usually talk full-fledged food. But, but I love road trip snacks. They're like, they're the best. Yeah. Because you can just kind of... Well, they're kind of my problem. If you see see me very much, same. you notice I, I, I do indulge in those snacks a little more than I should. That's uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, Coach. I don't think... Uh, I don't think you're alone in that. This this particular room holds some some snacks. Hey, hey. Some snacks. There we go. That's yeah. That's a great way to put it. Uh yeah. Um, but Sarah is a huge snack person. She when we go to the grocery store, we'll spend seventy five dollars on food and seventy five dollars on <laughs> snacks because she just loves snacks. And she wants to be able to snack throughout the day, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. Like, it, it is what it is. That's why I go to the grocery store by myself most of the time, so that we're not always poor. <laughs> you spend $150 and half of it's on snacks every week. It can be tough. Keep digging that hole. Uh, Robbie Mathis, friend of the show and uh, helper mm. sometimes. Yes. Friend. Even, even though he sends us uh, pictures of his – Baseball card collection to make us jealous, and football card collection too. Apparently, yeah. uh, he says Chico sticks. His his favorite of the Chico sticks. I, I like Chico sticks. I mean the peanut butter. I'm a peanut butter guy, so I like peanut butter. But whatever. We'll take that under advisement. Here we go. It's top five Tuesday. Brought to you by Mid South Five Fitness, the best place in Columbia and Spring Hill to. Take care of all of your fitness needs. Mid-South 5 Fitness, steelathletes.com, S-T-E-E-L, athletes.com. Check them out. All right, guys. Any any honorable mentions before we get started? Well, honorable mention, just the, 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 the classic single-serving potato chip. Yeah, just in, any brand. I mean, no. Just potato, a regular, regular bag of chips. Regular potato chips, uh, Doritos, what, you know. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be potato. Base, but, but yeah, chips. just chips. So uh, I, my, my honorable mention is Twizzlers. Sarah always gets them, and I'll eat one or two, but, like, it's just kind of something to, like, do hand-to-mouth so that I don't fall asleep. I've got a couple others in my top five for that for that purpose. So My honorable mention would be Chex Mix, although okay. I do cherry pick. Okay, you don't like the rye chips, I, I, I know. I, no, I, I do like the rye you chips. You like the rye chips? Yeah. Oh, look at that. I don't like the breadsticks. Oh, which is weird because you don't like rye whiskey and you eat free breadsticks everywhere. <laughs> that is kind of so, weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's ironic. Yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> all right, number five. I'll go first today. I got I, my number five is Slim Jims. I want to, and I like the really big Slim Jim. I want to, you know, the it doesn't have to be Slim Jim brand. It can be any type of meat stick, but that's it. Yeah, my number five goes uh, over to his uh, honorable mentions. Chex Mix. There you go. Yeah, you, you know. So and that's one of those. We got, we got to be cheap. You know, we we'd make our own. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So so we would. You know, we kind of cherry pick before the eating part of it. There you we'd go. put in what we wanted in that. Chex My mix mom setup. made some of the best checks mix, and it always you know. had the Worcestershire sauce in it, and it's yeah. just so. Oh, good. Had to have. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we'd we'd make a gallon, two gallon bags. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so, that's good stuff. Had to yeah. have the cup to scoop it and yeah. eat it that way. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, my number five, Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers. But again, a cherry pick. What's your favorite flavor? Apple and watermelon. See, those are my two favorite flavors too. I'm I, I, watermelon's kind of where it's at um, for me. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. He, he got my. He got my. I, get, I got involved in the conversation. It, t- it took to... a minute, but it's okay. <laughs> um, number four for me are cheese puffs, like the big Costco barrel of cheese puffs. <laughs> I want the whole barrel. I, I, I don't like cheese puffs because you got to have yeah, napkins with them. Yeah. Well, so, uh, pro tip, plastic gloves. It's I know too much work. I, I, yeah. you, you, say, you say that, but it's less work than, <laughs> than cleaning, cleaning the your cheese. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number four? Uh, number four is the, the cinnamon disc candy. Uh, you oh, like rocks okay. or yeah. something like that. Or the atomic fireball. Yeah. One. Again, back to the idea of keeping keeping my mouth busy. Mm-hmm. Keeping my, uh, keep just, you alert. Just keep me alert and, and stuff like that. Same. My number four is beef jerky. There Preferably teriyaki flavored. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'll, yeah, I feel you there. My number three are Sour Patch Kids, preferably only the watermelon. I will eat regular, but if I can just get the watermelon. Uh, they do have a strawberry now, delicious. We tried those on the way to my mom's the other day. It was delicious. Chocolate chip cookie. Uh, homemade is even better, but uh, it doesn't have to be homemade. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, uh, but, the, but that chocolate chip cookie is, is always, especially the soft my number three is popcorn. Popcorn. Specifically, and, and I never really thought I would like this until I actually had it. Um, caramel and cheddar popcorn. It's that sweet and savory thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't like popcorn, so I couldn't tell you. I don't eat popcorn. Jeez. My, I told you we've had this discussion. About, I, had, I had braces. Mm-mm. And so, anyway. Okay. All right. Um, your number two. So my number two is your number three, or I'm sorry, is your number four, beef jerky. Because mm-hmm. beef jerky to me is the perfect snack because one, it's you know you can chew it for a while, you work at or you got to work at it a little bit. And the only problem is I want to know who set the prices for this stuff. <laughs> this is ridiculous. The it, price of beef jerky is out of control. It, it really is. High. It, <laughs> it's too dang high. <laughs> it's like the rent. The rent. Too yep. dang high. My number uh, two yeah. is is trail mix. Yeah. Uh, I like the nuts. I do like you, the. But do we, you we, cherry we, pick? Uh, 
well, I cherry pick on the type of trail mix. Okay. Uh, the, it's called mountain mix. If you go through, uh, or the cars, snack, sweet and salty mix. They're, they're basically the same thing. Sweet and salty. But uh, but the M M&M and M has to have the M M&M, and M. You know. Yeah, it's got to have the chocolate. chocolate come on in. Got to have the chocolate. Got that sweet salty mix in there and stuff like that. Speaking of sweet and salty, my number two is caramel bugles. Caramel. Bugles. Yes. Okay, I've never had these, so okay. that's going to have to be rectified here shortly. Yes. Uh, that sounds amazing. It is. I love bugles, and I love caramel, <laughs> so I'm here for that. Bingo. Uh, yeah. So, huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. You'll thank me later. My number one. You guys. You guys have this way too low. Because it's Chex Mix. Preferably the bold flavor if I'm getting Chex Mix brand. But Chex Mix is the best reach in the bag, eat while I'm driving, keep me alert. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious, but I want the rye chips. I want the breadsticks. I want it all. Well, and see, I get all the, the rye chips because while, Sarah doesn't eat them. While we may have Chex Mix too low, you left something completely off your list. So yeah, hang on a minute. We'll see. All right, my number one is, is it's got to be done a certain way. It's peanut M&M's, but I do it in I do it one at a time, and then I suck the candy off of it, and then roll it around a little bit, get the can get the chocolate out of it, and then nibble on the peanut as I go. I can actually make one M&M last about two and a half three miles, <laughs> and that's how that's I keep solid. myself alert. And and literally, I can take the, the what they call the shareable bag. And go from Nashville to Oklahoma City in one bag. That's just, pretty just, solid. Just a little bit of time, and it keeps me alert. That's pretty specific. And, and stuff. So he's uh, he's done this. Yes, Apparently. I've done this yeah. many 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 okay. times. So all right, as as you can tell, I'm I'm in that sweet and sweet and salty, sweet and savory type um, realm. Chocolate covered pretzels. That's my number one. The dips are good. And I like pretzels. Okay, I, I mean, I just I don't eat chocolate covered pretzels a lot. We don't get them on our on our road trips. We probably should though. I do like chocolate covered pretzels, but they're not on my list because we don't typically get them. Because Sarah is usually the one getting, getting them. them. <laughs> there, there you go. So there you go. Yeah. Oh man, there you have it. That is the top five road trip snacks. Presented by Mid South Five Fitness to look great. So locations. we'll be voting on chocolate covered pretzels, Chex Mix, and peanut M and M's. That's then, correct. Right? Let us know what you like, or something else, or on Twitter at sm underscore tn sports. Vote today. Last- retweet, vote and retweet. That's correct. For a chance to win a gift card to Patio West. That's right. Last week, Coach Mike and I tied with Empire Strikes Back in Dark Knight, thirty eight point nine percent on the best sequel. So there you have it. If you missed any part of today's show, it's on the website, sm-tnsports.com, under the podcast tab. You can find that all coming up. Full coverage of C-State basketball, Cullioca, Santa Fe baseball, and uh, Richland, Mount Pleasant baseball all tonight on sm-tnsports.com. Check them out. We appreciate you. For Coach Mike and Mo Patton, I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia.